podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. The Newcastle Natter is back for the season by Labrooks. Hello and welcome to the Newcastle Natter. I'm Paul Doolan. There's no Fergus Craig this week, but I am joined on the phone by the lovely Dave Watson. Dave, hello. Hello, Paul. It's nice to be called lovely. Well, you deserve it. Oh, you... How are you? I'm good. How are you? <laughs> yeah, I'm all right. Uh, sorry, I missed the pod last yeah, but last uh, last week. But uh, yeah, just fucking shit. <laughs> just, like, <laughs> you just don't care uh, enough about the club. We get it. No, I couldn't give a couldn't give a fuck. Like, and to be honest, I think I speak for a lot of uh, listeners when I say that. It's really hard to be a Newcastle fan right now. Yeah. To get excited about the games. So, were you boycotting the pod last week? Is that what happened? <laughs> yeah, it was. A, it, to be honest, I affected the podcast so much that they cancelled it. So, yeah, there's a lesson. I mean, for there's us a lesson to be learned. Yeah, if we just get organised like you did last week, it could all be over. <laughs> um, but you were at the game, yes? Yeah, my first game of the season, and what a game! And? Oof. You know, just when you worry that Newcastle are starting to get a bit boring and not play decent football, a game like that comes up. Yeah. It was, we, were, we were good. <laughs> it, was, <laughs> it was awful. I didn't think it was too bad at the time. It was a pretty turgid nil-nil. I'd gone along, I'd taken one of my friends who's not a Newcastle fan, and it was quite a handy insight into how delusional I am. I sort of turned to him about 40 minutes in and went, well, I think this is quite an even game. And he just shook his head at me. <laughs> Didn't even dignify it with a verbal response. It's hard, though, because, I mean, we understand why we have to play a certain way, certainly against the teams like Crystal Palace, who've got so much quality going forward. Um, that, uh, was it, uh, like, well, obviously, Zaha Townsend, and is it Meyer that they brought on as well? Max Meyer, yeah. Yeah, he he looks. He sounds made up. He sounds like someone (laughs) from a a poorly written comic book, (laughs) or like a regen after like five games. (laughs) Yeah, five years after Messi retired, Max Meyer turns up. Yeah, Glenn Yeboah. You 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 kind of like at any other point in the season, uh, and a a draw away at Crystal Palace, you'd go, ah, fine, it's a good result, but the. um, in the context of the our start, it just looks bad. It looks like, oh, there's another opportunity to get three points gone. Well, is it though? Because Palace are much stronger than us. Yeah, I don't think it's a bad result. It wasn't a. It was a really dispiriting performance because we've just we've got no attacking threat. And actually, my mate I was no. with as well was just like, he couldn't understand how we were so bad on the ball. Just our retention of the ball and inability to pass. It's sort of like he was saying it looked like League One stuff, which I think yeah. is a bit harsh. But we there is I a, mean who does he who does he support though? Lincoln City. Right. Okay. Yeah. And he thought <laughs> they're League Two. And he was like, This yeah. this isn't too different to what I'm used to. Yeah, well I mean, to to be fair though, like the I was expecting a Spurs fan or an Arsenal fan. Um uh, to be to be criticising us, but um, I thought like we we had a, we didn't have many opportunities, but the one that felt the Perez early doors that's a great um, chance. It, it was a very good chance, but he just looks bereft of confidence. And, yeah, I he mean, was sort of halfway to falling over when he. I mean, he made the chance himself, which is sort of, yeah. I don't know if that's a positive or not. Mm. Like, if you've got a player Definitely. that can create Sorry, those chances of... but can't take them. <laughs> I thought I'd made you okay. think. <laughs> I thought, that was, I thought I'd said something interesting. I was worried. Uh, it was, like I thought you were going to run on for a bit, so I thought, "Oh, I can, I can sneak a sip of my cup of tea." But uh, no, you, that was that was the that's, that's the thing I like about you, Paul. You, you've mastered the art of brevity, whereas I have yet to come close to understanding yeah. it. Um, but you know that. So we made an opportunity, and yes, we carved it out ourselves. But the. The important thing I think for for us is that um, defensively we looked we looked good for for majority of the game. And yeah, we kept, I mean we kept Zaha so quiet he had to swip uh, swip he had to swap um, flanks because he was getting no joy out of Yedlin, which is impressive because Yedlin's 
not very good defensively. He, yeah. He's, you know, and then he, he he tried to get some more joy off Dummett, which is I didn't think I'd be saying this a couple of years ago, but I fancy Dummett to keep someone like Zaha quiet. You know, just yeah, Dum- kind of- Dummett's not a worry defensively. It was interesting Zaha because I went to I've got a few mates that are Palace season ticket holders, so I went to their pub afterwards, and they were just saying Zaha was the worst they've seen him for quite a while. And it looked they didn't think he was actually going to start because he pulled out of the warm up with a it looked like a back or a neck injury, so I'm not oh, sure okay. he was a hundred percent. But he was the weird thing was Zaha. I don't I know they showed one of them on match of the day, but he just he seemed to keep objecting to being tackled as though he needed yeah. to be protected from it. I'm not quite sure what he thought. Like I don't know why he thought that was rude of people to try and tackle him. <laughs> Did you well, see the one where he's complaining like... to the linesman after a Fernandez sliding tackle that won Which the ball? Which was a great tackle. Yeah, Fernandez I um, think was man of the match for us. He we should probably talk a bit about him, or should we carry on with Zaha? This is the problem, Dave. Yeah. I'm all over the place. No, it's fine. It's fine. I think we, with Zaha, I think there is a. Uh, Certainly a narrative that he's trying to put out that he's um, getting fouled loads. He's not getting the protection from the, the referees. And he, his quote was, you've got to, I'd have to have a broken leg uh, to get a, a penalty or a red card or something. And I was honestly expecting one of two things, either uh, for him to get, like for one of our boys to go uh, go in on, on him a bit hard and, and pick up a, a red card or give away a penalty, or yeah. the other way, which is for him to take a tumble and get done for diving. I thought, you know, it was. I didn't know which one. To be honest, I was wrong on both counts. But <laughs> the, uh... not necessarily though, because again, it, it didn't come across on the highlights. But he won a lot of fr- very dangerous free kicks just outside the box, which were yeah fifty fifties. A lot of them. I think there was a little bit of that probably in the referee's mind. And the booking for Yedlin wasn't yeah a yellow no. card. No, I, I did worry once Yedlin got a booking. You sort of thought that could be it now, but Richie it wasn't just long after up that. Defensively, I'm trying to think. Was that um, was that roughly the same? It wasn't long after that that he swapped flanks, was it? I don't I know. Remember. Actually, I realise when Come I watch on. a game live, I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> So I, I agree with you. Like watching it on the TV, um, and maybe we'll come along to that in a bit because I put a question out on Twitter about um, what's your big TV memories of watching football, and I left it open at football because you know it could have been England or something else. Yeah. But um, watching on football, uh, watching on TV, you because you get to see things from a load of different angles, because you get to see things in slow motion, you do get a, like a sense of the decisions which way they're going and stuff and obviously when the commentators are are pointing stuff out that maybe you've missed like um, I don't know maybe like Zaha swapping flanks it might take you a while to spot that or maybe one of the players is playing a more um, withdrawn role or something you, you, you kind of rely on them to pick that up um, but to when be honest I spent you're... most of the second half watching I think the funniest fan I've ever seen <laughs> there were about 10 people just watching him not the game this little kid in the Crystal Palace stand who just stood on his seat for the whole thing dancing and doing faces at Newcastle fans he was he was my man of the match really yeah. he, was, um, he was quite something I have to mention like uh, we'll talk about Fernandes in a second but like Rondon going off injured um, that's a worry because Hosselu for all he's a likable bloke and stuff, we've said it before, he, he works hard and he's, he's likable, but he's just not... He's our top scorer. Quality. I think... Well, yeah, but... If, the tricky if thing with had... Rondon is not knowing how fit he's been for any... He doesn't seem like he's been particularly fit for any games. I, I don't worry about us missing Rondon at the minute because he's looked shit, mm. but then he's probably looked shit because he's not fit, so yeah. we need to miss him. The other thing which... Uh, I'm not sure how well it came across to people watching on streams or listening. Lascelles had two amazing chances, like almost free headers from corners. Mm. There didn't seem to be much made of that, but we he should have at least scored one. Yeah. Pretty much unmarked in the middle of the box. I mean that's that was uh something that we could rely on last season. Yeah. He 
he was very good at uh, set pieces. Well, we we as a team were very good at set pieces, and it doesn't look like we've we've carried that on into this season. And the only thing yeah. I can think is because there's been a change um, at the back and a change. Maybe there's different instructions. Maybe there's different routines that we're doing, and it's not quite clicking. And like like you say, like Lascelles had a couple of decent opportunities, and that could also be he's not. 100% sharp yet I don't know I yeah there's a lot know. of our players looking a lot less sharp than last season Kennedy in particular just had another oh. pretty anonymous game well, that's one thing I was going to ask you it's like what exactly do Muto and Murphy need to do to, to actually get get some game time like some proper game time because yeah I think away games weirdly Kennedy you sort of think of as a very flamboyant attacking player, but because he can play positionally, he's quite good defensively as well. Like he's quite often been played as a wing-back before. I think yeah. against games where we're not expected to dominate possession, he seems to get in because he can cover, but he's not really earning his place in the team. And you feel like Murphy, at least, deserves a bit more of a chance. He's looked decent. And actually, Especially even Atsu, when... when he came on, looked fairly good. Kennedy this then, season doesn't seem to be taking players on, whereas that was his main thing last year. Yeah, and you, Murphy must be looking. Murphy and Muto are seeing like Atu going on and getting get more game time than they do because he he's been a regular substitute for us. Like they must be thinking, oh come on, I'm better than this fucking chump. Um, yeah, I think they are. Um, I mean, we spent like thirty percent of our budget on Muto. But I think Muto is more of a replacement for Gale, which is I, I'd quite like to see him. I mean, if he's not getting picked ahead of Rondon or Hosselu, then a, there's probably a reason why. But and he's not quite assimilated to the league yet. Mm. I would like to see that. Cause one thing I felt with Rondon and with Hosselu, we're missing a lot of what we had last season with Dwight Gale, whereas we had an outball. Shelby looks a lot weaker now because there's nobody making the runs that his passing can actually unlock. You look at Gale mm. last season, he wasn't getting the goals, but he was getting into dangerous positions. Just yeah. And Shelby had someone to pass to. Kennedy's not making those runs anymore. Richie's not really quick enough. Our main attacking no. out ball from Shelby seems to be DeAndre Yedlin. Yeah, and that's... I mean, if, if your right back is your main attacking outlet, then... Then you've got a massive problem. I think you've one got of the a big lot of shit up front. I think. <laughs> but then you look at the centre of the park, and you know we don't, we're not controlling it like we did. Certainly at the end of last season, at the second half of last season, Diame was a monster, and he's yeah, he's, he's he's not been the worst player on the pitch this season, but he hasn't came close to to his form of last season. Um, yeah, he was okay. I thought on Saturday compared to some of the games I've seen him in this season. <clears throat> it was one of his better ones. I think he benefited from having Shelby there. I think once Shelby's up to fitness, that partnership can hopefully pick up where it left off. But I think everybody looks a bit weaker because there's just there's nothing up top to aim for. No. I mean, we've got Hoslu trying an overhead kick. Which is um, that's That reeks of desperation, doesn't it? Yeah. He I mean, was just we thinking said it, about the YouTube couple... compilation. <laughs> well, we said a, a couple of uh, pods ago that um, like that's not what we want Hosloo to be doing. Just stick to what you're good at. And when you find out what that is, stick to it. He's, like, his like... season so far, he's got two pretty decent goals, which for us is the equivalent of 10. <laughs> I don't know. I, I... Yes, he scored a couple of goals and they were well taken for what, for what it's worth, but... He hasn't done it, you know. He hasn't looked like scoring and been denied by good keeping or anything. His, his overall plays. Yeah, but who has? Down. We don't. We don't really no, create don't. enough chances. Is the issue? At least he's taken a fairly good percentage of the ones he's had. Yeah. Compared to like, I really like Perez, but Perez doesn't look anything near the player he was second half of last season. No, you're right. But then you look at look at like so I had a look at last season and just comparing like our start to 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 like a comparable comparable fixtures from last season. So like Spurs at home, um, 
for Cardiff, I just used Huddersfield because you know. And that was you know, Huddersfield away. We lost, didn't we? Cardiff. We yeah, yeah. So in seventeen eighteen, we we lost two nil at uh, at home to Spurs. We'd lost away to Huddersfield. We we did beat Chelsea three nil at home, but that was the end of the season. We lost three one away at Man City. We did beat Arsenal two one at home. Um, but again, that was the latter half of the season, and we we drew with Palace away. So there isn't a there isn't a great deal of difference in terms of. Did you mention Chelsea at home there? Yeah, we yeah. We, we beat Chelsea at home, but like I said, that was the last game of the season when Conte was a dead robber. Yeah, you know? that's still but five dead more what points. Lane Dock, that's what I meant. Five more points from six games, I think. Yeah, I think in trying to we make did. one point, you've quite successfully made the opposite point. No, no, no! I'm trying. To, I'm trying to say we've started like compared to last season, we started badly. But then you look at the the, the fixtures that we had in the eighteen, like the first six fixtures of the eighteen uh, seventeen eighteen season, and it was it was four relegation candidates, one yeah. table team, and Spurs. So we had like Huddersfield, Stoke, Swansea, and West Ham. The first six fixtures, and we we finished those six with nine points. But those teams were shit. Yeah, I feel a bit like Steve McLaren here. I do think Mm. judges after sort of 10 games, because judging our season off these first six games, it's a bit like judging saving Private Ryan on the opening like 10 minutes. It's not not all going to be shooting. (laughs) There's going to be like nicer (laughs) moments. It's going to be a bit calmer at times. There's going to be a bit with the piano. It's going to yeah. everything's going to change. I mean, you also, Cardiff at home. You look, <laughs> but the um, the the thing that I'm taking from it is that we've got those fixtures out, kind of out the way. Like those those God, those four fixtures against the top six sides. At any point in the season, you'd expect us to struggle. And the other two fixtures, well, we've got a point each, so. I don't know. Like, yes, it would have been great to start with, um, start as we did last season, but that's just it's not going to happen, really. Not with yeah. not with that. And you've got to look at other teams like um, like Huddersfield and Burnley. Uh, they haven't picked up any any points in the games that you'd expect them to. Like Huddersfield have played Cardiff at home, Palace at home, and they've only got one point. Burnley have had Fulham away, Watford at home, Southampton away, Bournemouth at home, and they've only got four points. And even but actually like, Fulham as well, they've not had that difficult a run in. And for all the the goals they're scoring, they're not they're conceding loads. Yeah, they've only had one win, I think. And so it's yeah. It's, it's, it's My tricky thing at the moment is trying to figure out how good or bad we are off these six games because I felt quite confident at the start of the season there'd be three worse teams than us this season. I think there's definitely mm. two in Huddersfield and Cardiff, but I think we just need a few more games to calibrate how good or shit we are. But then I think the the difference between us and the teams above us is we've had a much hard like I, yeah. I honestly think we've had the hardest start in the league, and we haven't we haven't been we've not not in one game that we've been blown away. Like this, Cardiff got spanked five nil um, by Man City on the weekend. Now. Those four extra, you know, goals that they conceded compared to, like, you know, the, the goal difference of four there, um, that could be, it could be irrelevant because they finished rock bottom or whatever. But it, it might be important to come the end of the season, and it means that in the next, you know, thirty-two games, we've already played them, so there are easier fixtures for us to pick up the points to, to, to drag us into into mid-table, whereas. Like I say, like um, like uh, Huddersfield and Burnley, they're not picking up points, and they've yet to go to the you know to face all the big boys and to 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 try and get something out of a, a an away game at Arsenal with five games to go when Arsenal are going for the Europa spot or something is a much bigger much bigger ask, and they could get spanked and yeah. So I'm 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 confident that we'll stay up based on. I see you thinking, my my sort of worry is, because we're all about defensive organisation and limiting teams, we're good enough mm. at the back to only lose by one goal to better teams yeah. and bad enough up front to not win 
games we should win. But I would say so far from yeah. our six games, I don't think we've been favourite with the bookies for any of them. Maybe Cardiff away we would have been. Palace we definitely wouldn't have been. So it's no, not like I we're agree. completely underperforming. No. And we've, uh, the, the thing is that the tough run doesn't stop. We've got two more tough fixtures before I think we go on a, on a more... I don't know, on a run of games against on a more even keel where we I mean we've got Leicester next and we'll come on to them much later in the pod. Yeah. And after that we've got Man U away, which n- nobody fancies uh, a trip to Man U. Like e- even you know, even Chelsea and Liverpool and stuff won't fancy that. So I think there's I there's worse places to have to go. I think there's yeah, you, you, it depends. To be honest, it depends what's going on in the Man U sort of soap opera that week. Yeah, yeah, true. And I'm not sure how that that fiction falls. I don't know. Like, I can't remember if it's um, or oh, with European you know, games. Yeah, European game or or what? I, I don't know if there's a break or if whatever. I don't know, but um, it could be it, it could be one of those fucking games that sometimes. W- this Benitez side can pull out where we're back to the wall for 90 minutes, but Lascelles gets the one corner that we, um, we, we win and puts it in the back of the net. I don't know. It could be, but I don't, I'm not looking forward to it. I'm, I'm, I'm going to hold off. Like you say, I'm going to McLaren it and I'm just going to hold off yeah. until we've played 10 games. Um, cause we're playing. Okay. We're not playing. It's only really the Cardiff yeah. game where we, as a team, we were bad. Against Palace, the defence was decent. It was just up front that we had nothing. Um, yeah, and again, well, I, I wonder... think a lot of that smacks, or not smacks of, but comes from the fact that we did our business late in the window again. So there's no yeah. there's no preparation time. Once no. Rondon's actually got his fitness, maybe if Muto's come into it a bit more, then maybe we'll see. I mean, Kennedy's a worry, but let's... Let's not go over that again. The other big talking point from the game was Mike Ashley in the stands. I don't know whether Rafa invited him or not. <laughs> Damn it, you, you, you got there too quick. Oh, yeah. sorry. <laughs> his first game for 16 months. It's an interesting one to go to because it's not like... like and for the, for the four of them to go together... So it was, it was Ashley Barnes, Bishop, and Charnley. Yeah, they were all there together. It was a London club, but you know, in in two games' time, you've got a trip away to Old Trafford, which I would have assumed would be more. I I can only guess that Crystal Palace has the best buffet in the corporate <laughs> facilities. <laughs> you look at those four men, and they would they would worry a buffet. <laughs> But I mean, they would put that all you can eat to the fucking yeah. test, wouldn't they? Yeah. <laughs> There'd be some chefs sweating on the some restaurant Just owners. Just give them more prawn crackers. Just give them more prawn crackers. <laughs> going through the accounts as they see them coming and thinking, this one, this could send us over the edge. <laughs> but I'm not going to. I'm God. There's, but there's that little kernel of hope because there's been mooted talk in the papers about uh, renewed interest and um, there's been stuff put out, but obviously put out by the Ashley camp saying that he's, he's lowered his valuation to 300 million. So there's, there's little seeds. And now mm. I'm 99% sure nothing. It doesn't matter. It was just a coincidence. They were all in the city at the same time. You know, most of them, I mean, Ashley spends most of his time in London. I'm guessing Keith Bishop does, and so does Justin Barnes. And He's the Bishop Charlie of Soho. I mean, he is the Bishop of Soho. It's quite weird to see, like, they're the four most influential people at our club. Mm. And one of them, we've no idea what he does with Justin Barnes. Like, it's never been explained what his role is. There's nothing official. Yeah. He's got no Newcastle no. United job title. No. And a PR man who, like, if he's so good at PR, why does he seem like such a twat? I think would be. <laughs> but then, to be fair, have you ever known of a a famous PR person who wasn't a bit of a twat? Mm, uh, I can't really think well, what, of many. Max Hastings. What was that? 
that, yeah, I was thinking of that Max, but I couldn't remember his surname. But no, they're all they're all twats, aren't they? But it could just be that they were down for a meeting because it doesn't sound like they had a sit down with Benitez. No, it seems pretty clear they didn't chat to him. I, I've been trying to think about it. I can't figure out why Mike Ashley would go. Like, why has no. he gone to that game? There's no reason. There's no. It's hard to get optimistic or pessimistic about him being there. It's. It just seems like a really weird decision. It's like something Putin would do to get you thinking like there's no way of predicting what's going on here so we might as well stop paying attention <laughs> I mean it's not even like Crystal's is still open no. so they weren't going there for the, for the nightclub attached to Crystal Palace's ground no. it's just weird no I don't I don't understand why it's why they were there um, but it is it is it could be it could have just been a show of strength you know a, a, you know we're all here together we're backing each other I, I, I don't know why they would feel the need to they did look sort Keegan's... of puffed up and chest out but then they are quite fat men puffy and yeah. <laughs> puffy and chesty but then it could be like because Keegan's autobiography is being serialised yes. in the Times and if anybody's not seen the excerpts yet I would recommend you read them because it is damning absolutely damning and I wouldn't be entirely shocked if there were investigations into impropriety. Well, I think um, let's leave a little cliffhanger there and talk about that ooh. after these adverts. Newcastle Natter is lubricated by Watney's Pale Ale. Watney's Pale Ale, the Newcastle Natter Beer of the Month. The Newcastle Natter is back for the season by Labrooks. Hello and welcome back to the Newcastle Natter. I'm still here with Dave Watson. Hello. Hello, Paul. We had some advertising messages there. Personally, I don't like to hear adverts in a podcast. I think it sullies it. I would never shill a product. That said, I'm just going to open a cool, refreshing Watney's beer. Oh, <laughs> oh, that is foamy. It's a Watney's Pale Ale, Dave. Have you ever heard of this beer? Yeah. It's beautiful. I mean, I'm, I'm just going to say what's come into my head. Watney's is back. It's brewed again in London by a bunch of friends hell-bent on crafting great modern beers. And it's delicious, Dave. You're annoyed, aren't am, you? Because it's the first time we've had absolute... any benefit of advertising. I get free I beer when absolute... you're in Manchester. I am foaming. I'm foaming more than a... Foaming like a smooth Watney's Pale Ale. Carry on. <laughs> how, how... Like, fuck you. How are you getting free beer? <laughs> when I was down there, it was Ladbrokes. Oh, hey. You got, you got a lot of free tiny blue pens. <laughs> <laughs> it is actually quite uh, nice, much, much as it pains me to say it. I was hoping it would be disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> I was hoping it was going to be... Terrible as well, but you. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm lit. I, I can't think straight. I'm that angry. Yeah, that desperate for a refreshing Watney's, and who can blame you? Watney's. You right, we left on a cliffhanger. Out. Kevin Keegan's book, which has yeah. been serialised in the Times. I mean, he's had a lot to my, say. My God, <laughs> I like I say, everybody should read it, and I don't want to like, like ruin it by um by mangling his quotes and stuff but essentially i mean he's, he's saying that what we already kind of knew which was like cisco and um uh ignacio gonzalez were were signed over his head and that uh like certainly gonzalo gonzalez was signed based on a youtube clip to as a favor to some south american agents yeah um, and like I say, I wouldn't be shocked if the FA had a had a look at that. You'd hope so. It, it cannot be anything other than bringing the game into disrepute by by signing a player that you are from the off from the outset saying we're not we're not going to play. You don't have to play him. He can rot in the reserves for all we care. We're buying him to curry favour with agents. That has to be, that has to be investigated. You would hope, but then I think looking at our recent history, 
certain signings. I'd, the signing of Paul Dalgleish by Kenny Dalgleish stands out as one that maybe wasn't all about footballing ability. Or Kenny Dalgleish's sure. friend Ian Rush by Kenny Dalgleish. <laughs> well, no, I can, I can understand Rush and Barnes, and while I don't agree with their signings, I can you can make an argument because Rush was an experienced striker and, and Barnes was of great talent and has plenty of experience. Paul Dalglish is, you know, without a doubt, that was nepotism. Without without a shadow of doubt. No, it was a footballing decision, Dave. (laughs) But there is a huge difference between signing somebody's son for, I think we only paid like a hundred grand for him, a couple hundred grand maybe. It wasn't a lot of money. Um, And he wasn't on big wages. And he was still a young player when we had him. So he had the potential to be a little bit better. But... (laughs) But there's a huge difference between that and signing Cisco, who was shit before we signed him, was shit after we signed him. And 60 grand a week as well, Cisco. I didn't realise. 60 grand a week. Fucking obscene. It does seem more than a little shady, but then Premier League football, I think a lot of clubs will have similar deals to that and just don't have former managers as morally correct as Kevin Keegan who would actually call out what's happened. You look at well, the career of Harry Redknapp or Sam Allardyce and there'll be yeah, more than yeah. a few skeletons in there. But just because other people are doing bad things doesn't mean that no, no, we I, should I, be I, absolved of guilt. And, and, and I suppose like you look at Chelsea and they signed uh, Romelu Lukaku but they also did they, no sorry, they, they signed You think it's Torgan Hazard? Hazard. They, they signed Torgan Hazard. Didn't didn't they sign Lukaku's younger brother as well? Not sure. A left back. I might be wrong. I could be completely wrong. But basically, there are things in, in football where the players obviously is it not Luke? signed for... Was it what? Luke Lukaku. <laughs> no, it wasn't Luke Lukaku. <laughs> are you drunk off that Watney's? You can't get drunk on Watney's. You can just get high on the smooth <laughs> Watney's taste. 4.2% <laughs> Watney's. <laughs> But this is this is my thing is like there there's there's obviously shades of grey, but this is so black that it it can't be excused. It surely must be investigated. Yeah, you would and, hope. And I mean, could we still be paying for that stupid decision now? I mean, is there an argument that these silly signings like Ferreira, like um Well this is the thing I haven't like realized I'd seen I think people were saying this online, Ferreira was basically signed as a favour to Colaccini to get him out of the Ukraine when everything was kicking off there because it was very unstable. There were a lot of Shakhtar players leaving at the time and we came in and bought Chucky. Yeah, which was very, yeah. My main annoyance with this stuff that's come out about uh, these two players is basically when did we... Why are we so tight with agents? And so many times now we hear like Mike Ashley's just disgusted with the amount of money that agents are asking for and it's why a lot of deals aren't getting done. When did we stop being willing to just throw money away literally for nothing? Well, prob- like this is my point. Is that the reason? Because he was stung by thinking that he was getting going to get a good deal from these South American agents and them stinging him has, yeah. has made him like just shut the door on it entirely and think that they're all like that. Because they're not. There are some average, everyday agents who do a good job and don't try to screw everybody over too much. Um, yeah. So it, it, could, it could be a reaction to that. But the, the only people that suffer are the managers and the fans. Like the, the players, like Ignacio Gonzalez couldn't give a shit that he was... I think he played like 28 minutes or something like that. And that was it. And then he was sent off to wherever he's ended up, probably second division in the Czech Republic or something. But There's another example of something going wrong with the way the clubs run. And rather than Mike Ashley seeing the clear lesson there, which is get a manager who knows what they're doing and listen to them. He's mm. gone the other way and gone, don't give money to agents. Yeah. <laughs> it's bizarre because the only person he seems to have given money to, like, 
and let them buy the, the like the type of players that they want was McLaren. And you thought that's not somebody who's going to kick up a big fuss in the in the. It's in even the more baffling looking back now. The the whole the amount of money that was given over to Steve McLaren. I mean, there's not yeah. much logic really to it. Apart from he was probably the no. most malleable manager, although we had Pardew. But then that, that's the thing. Like but, but the only transfers that you can attribute to Pardew during his time here, I think, was James Perch and Gabriel Obertan. Yeah, Obertan. We've mentioned this before in the pod, but Pardew was quite proud of getting Obertan because Alex Ferguson had told him he was a good footballer. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking mentally, I mean. Yeah. This is this is. I think this feeds into that little kernel of hope, that tiny little morsel that I cling to, that perhaps a sales on the cards and stuff like that. Because he's got so many fucking things wrong, and he's he missed that. Though no, but it's costing him money, and it's and it's. I mean, we are. I think there's only a couple of teams in the Premier League who don't have a sheep a sleeve sponsor, and. The reason for that is the same reason that nobody took on the um, the stadium naming rights other than Wonga, and nobody won. It's because Sports Direct and, by extension, Mike Ashley are a toxic brand, and yeah. nobody wants, like, nobody reasonable wants to be associated with them. So you don't have the the tire companies and the, the finance companies and the I don't know, like the legitimate betting sites or whatever like you've got low rent stuff and, and bargain basement who you just selling the soul to get a little bit of attention so it's costing him money it's it's so much of a ball like this sports direct share prices is taking a hammering and it might be entirely unrelated to the the protests that are going on but it will be related to the amount of negative press that Sports Direct and also Mike Ashley have been receiving recently. Yeah, it does feel like that's gone... Yeah, it feels like the House of Fraser purchase has more pushed that, but it doesn't really matter what gets in the negative press as long as it does, because that's only going to give us more hope. My worry is we've been here before. Ashley getting bad press suddenly says, oh, I'm willing to sell the club for less than I want. Then there won't be a buyer, but it'll, it'll rail on through the transfer window so it'll be a good excuse for him not to spend any money in January and then he'll decide well nobody came in so I'm still in control of the club yeah and you and you you see the the reports about Benitez won't sign a new contract unless assurances are given and the only assurances that I can assume that would be good enough for, for Rafa Benitez is essentially autonomy and yeah. he says I, I, I dictate who we buy. I have a budget that comes from whatever I sell and a portion of what I earn through prize money. I get to choose. I decide the wages. I do this, I do that, I do the other. And frankly, I, just, I can't see Mike Ashley letting somebody have control, which is mental, because this is the person that you could trust. Yeah. I think crucially Benitez as well, might... Benitez would want assurances in writing, which is what he wanted over yeah. the summer. And Mike Ashley would be happy to give assurances if they weren't put down in a document that he could then be sued over when he does eventually renege on it and lie. Yeah. But it's just not going to happen. We're, I just, yeah. We've, we've been here every week. I don't think Benitez is going to be here at the end of, or no. beyond the end of the season. I wouldn't blame him. If you think he's stuck with us and went down into the championship with us and there's been no effort from the board to repay him. And this Keegan stuff coming out at the same time just highlights how little change there's been in the running. The other fun revelation was, was it Tony Jimenez? Who I can't remember Mm -hmm. what role he had at the club, but overruling Keegan in signing Luka Modric because he thought he was just too lightweight as a footballer. It's it's bizarre. It's It's so nuts. Like, genuinely... If you, if I'd heard this from Harry down the pub, I'd be saying, oh, "Fuck off, man! You're just yeah. you're talking shit." There is no way some ex 
I don't know what Tony Jimenez was. Wasn't he a bouncer at one point? He but, like, he's the one who was a steward who was at Chelsea, who was in with Dennis yeah, Wise, wasn't he? Yeah, there's no way. Maybe it was part like of a concerted that. transfer policy to just sign the fattest players available. <laughs> <laughs> We're going in for Andy Reid at Notts Forest. Well, if that was the case, we never would have sold fat Mark Viduka. That's true. Maybe he was the blueprint. But then, like, the, you wouldn't believe it, but it's true because a because it's like it, it's it, with the benefit of hindsight, we can see that it's fucking true. But also, Kevin Keegan said it, and Kevin Keegan could, could tell me that the the moon landing was fake, and I I believe him because. I just don't think he's got it in him to lie to the Newcastle public. He not, would he not, would lie about moon landings. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he would. I'd be interested to know the circumstances why Kevin Keegan's approaching you to tell you the truth about the moon landings, but who knows? The man ran, the man ran a soccer circus, Dave. There's there's room for lies in him, but I don't think well, it's been proven legally that the club lied intentionally yeah. to the fans and to Keegan and to the press and everything else yeah. like I, I, I mean I, the annoying thing I, is I, you I, know nothing has changed from that to now and we're still under investigation no. for the tax thing that's going on so yeah part of me just I mean, hopes we get done for that deducted points and relegated but only no, because I, only because it would teach Ashley a lesson but then you realize it wouldn't yeah I would say the only the only way to the only thing I would want is for the parties involved, i.e. Charnley, Ashley, perhaps Wise, Jimenez, Lambias, and whoever else, for them to be personally held responsible for it and fined or told that they're not allowed to own the football club. Like, um, what's his chops at, uh, at Leeds was a couple of times he was banned from owning oh, a football club. Oh, the Italian club and guy. Sit proper. Is it him yeah, or Ken failed. Bates? No, Ken Bates not is around, isn't it? But then you, you you want them to be you want the FA in the Premier League to you know have standards and to say that this person is not fit and proper to own a football club because a football club isn't just a business. I appreciate that you know a big big slice of it is now, but it's also it has community. Yeah, it's a community um, responsibilities. Asset. But yeah. then you look at the fit and proper person test, it's not really fit for purpose. Who is the Man City owner? Is it Sinoatra? Oh, Faction Sinoatra, yeah. Yeah, there's been plenty of unfit and improper owners. But then that's, that's, that's fine, but then he was found, like, he was found guilty of, like, tax fraud or, or what, embezzling or something in his home country and was found by the FA to be, you know, unfit and improper. And that's why he sold to Sheikh Mansour. Oh. So they did force him. I mean, he was probably going to go to jail or something, but he he wasn't allowed to own a football club. Now there are there are worse owners in the country than ours. There are. Yeah. Um, you look at Blackpool, Blackpool, Charlton. Yeah, these guys are. So what you're saying is, be careful what you wish for. I agree. Actually, that's a really good <laughs> <laughs> that is the worst point anybody ever makes. When you hear it, it's oh, normally only that. like talk sport pundits. So like, oh, be careful what be careful what you wish for. And then you look. You could ask any other Premier League fan, would you swap your owner for ours? And nobody would say yes. No, you could ask most fans in the Championship, and aside from a select few from the northeast. Nobody would want Mike Ashley. No, because the, the the overriding thing with Mike Ashley is an, a total lack of ambition, and every football club has to be ambitious for it to be worth supporting. God, we've ended up here again, haven't we? Oh God, it felt like we yeah. weren't going to, but yeah, he's got to yeah. go. He probably won't, <laughs> but he will eventually, and he will. It's going to be a big party. I didn't realise he was at the game when I was. Watching the game, did you not hear all the chants? And stuff? Well, yeah, there were a lot, of, but there were a lot of anti Ashley chants pre match before anybody knew he was there. I just thought people were really getting into it, mm-hmm. but yeah, but he... it was it was vociferous. Good, and a lot of anti I mean... Adam Johnson 
chance as well. <laughs> the one I'd never heard where they they managed to rhyme Johnson with nonsing, which oh, lovely. I didn't know nonsing was a verb. But <laughs> to nonce, yeah. I nonced. No, no, wait. You no. nonced. He, she nonced. <laughs> they nonced. <laughs> um, yeah, I think the I think the pressure from the stands and stuff doesn't really make any difference. No. Like the singing of the song is not going to bother him. Not being there might. Yeah. Who knows? But that shall we go to is... Twitter? Yes. Oh God. Yeah. Good point. We did say on Twitter any questions. Let me just get the the Natter Twitter thing up. Unless you want to jump in, if you've got any. Yeah, there. yeah, sure. Um, so I asked about like your first, like your best football memory of watching it on TV because I get that like a lot of people can't watch it live, like at at the stadium. And um, uh, Chris, uh, like Sugar us, Woody, nearly every week. <laughs> um, he says that his first memory of watching a live Newcastle game was the 99 FA Cup semi-final versus Spurs at Old Trafford he says I can remember the tension of extra time and how loud my, how loud my dad uh, a Geordie who emigrated here to Canberra in 1983 was when Shearer banged in the first penalty although I don't really remember the goal I also remember seeing how insane the fans had gone and all the singing afterwards from that game though Shearer's second goal still gives me goosebumps and put the tears in my eyes the joyful yell from my dad and the noise of the crowd was amazing. I remember that goal yeah. very dearly. That was that. That's basically the one where it breaks down the left. Silvio Maric did the one good thing he Silvio ever did in the black Maric, and white shirt, yeah. and he passed it uh, passed it across to Alan Shearer, who he cut across the ball and it arced beautifully into the top right hand corner from about twenty yards, twenty five yards. It was absolute. Peach. And that and was under Rude Hullet, wasn't it? I don't know. Yeah. For some reason, I always assume that's way before Hullet came in. It's just, it's just crazy. Just absolutely. Yeah, that was that was special. That was absolutely yeah. special. Oh, never mind. <laughs> in response to your question as well, Bedford Mag wrote in say, "I can remember watching a stream of Newcastle on the PC. We hadn't scored a goal in about nine games and were staring relegation down the throat." Cissé scored in the 93rd minute and I jumped up cheering then burst into tears and fell on the floor. The wife just stepped over me. <laughs> Which, As she has been doing for your entire marriage. But I think it, it paints a, a picture of pretty much every football fan where we're... Oh, yeah. We're, we're quite pathetic, aren't we? <laughs> well, I remember being in a pub in Newcastle for the Feyenoord game oh, God. Um, that ended 3-2 in the Champions League. The Bellamy... Um, Oh my god! Like, because we were still because essentially there was various permutations that had to happen for us to to go through to the next round, and um, we needed Juventus to win away at Kiev. I'm pretty sure it was Dynamo Kiev, and um, Kiev were like unbeaten at home. That, Juventus were already through and were good, and were had fielded like a a very weakened side. We needed to beat Feyenoord. Feyenoord had Final just needed a draw, I'm pretty sure. And we went 2-0 up. They came back into it and drew 2-2. And we were we were hammering at them, but they were pretty resolute. And when the ball went through for for for, um, for Dyer, um he was it was one on one and you thought, This is it, this is it. And then the keeper made, you know, it wasn't a great shot, it wasn't a great save. But when he palmed it out, Bellamy was at a really acute angle. And the, I'll never forget the commentary because the the, the commentator went so high pitched, and it sounded like it was back in the days where I think the it might have been on Channel Five. I think it was where, like ITV something, wasn't, wasn't it? it? Back, I can't but remember. It was, it's when the the commentators wanted all all of the teams in the from England to do well in the in the Champions League, and like I remember Jonathan Wilson going bananas on Channel Five. Um, for oh, a Jonathan Pierce. Jonathan Pierce, sorry, not Jonathan Wilson. Jonathan Pierce going absolutely bananas. And this, the, the commentator, when he screams Bellamy, the, the pub that I was in just went mental. And it wasn't this like we throw the beers in the beers in the air. It was just limbs everywhere, grown men falling all over each other. And like that, we, me and my mate, were standing there watching it with a young lad who I think he's out on his own, but he was out on his own. 
and we've been chatting them through the game and like, we've lifted them up and carrying them around and stuff like that. It was... It was you stole the child. <laughs> we stole the child. <laughs> That's what you do after the you. great games. You, know, you have a skin Sometimes. full and you steal a child. After, after an unlikely Champions League win, you have to steal a child. Um, but yeah, this that, this idea of getting people to tell us their like favourite memories, I really like, but it's making me so much more depressed about where the car is now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking back to games in the early noughties under Robson, or was it uni, just thinking, like, oh, I'd, I'd pay good money to go back to that now. Oh, yeah. Well, just like stupid, even in ones where I've got it's YouTube, a normal league fine. game. Like, I remember that season under, under Robson where so often we would go a goal behind, mostly because we had tight fucking bramble in the, yeah. the in defence. But we always seemed to come out on top, and there was never there was always a sense that like oh we're going to go down, but we'll score. Like oh we'll get back into this. There was always yeah. that, that confidence, and it was just throughout the team. Everybody from Aaron Hughes at the back to bloody Loire Loire coming on, and <laughs> Stephen Glass, and uh Stephen Glass, I had a very soft spot for. I thought he was a, a great winger who just suddenly disappeared. Well, you, you've got you've got form for like <laughs> yeah. John Dahl Thomas and Stephen Glass, <laughs> CM <De> Young. <laughs> I was I was about to lump Dabazas into that group, but he was actually no, a no, very no, no, good no. player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, <laughs> but yeah, um, if anybody's got any other memories, just just to like cheer, cheer to keep up the optimism. Up to... Leon Steed's got in touch on Twitter to say, "I think I've given up on this club until the vacuum cover <laughs> leaves. Can't face this painful shite any longer." <laughs> <laughs> Is he talking about the football or this podcast? <laughs> well, he'd have a point with both, I think. Yeah. Christ, it is it is fucking depressing. Which is why I'm saying, if anybody's got any other any other like memories of, of stuff like that, just send them in. Not it's, even about Newcastle, just happy memories. Tell us about your yeah, weddings. Just, yeah, the birth of your first child. Anything to get us out of this. Slightly more optimistic. God, Tony Armstrong on Twitter got in touch. Lost four v top six sides equals expected. Drew two away v sides expected to be bottom ten our direct competitors. No goals conceded equals so far so good. Eight more games v top six, probably pick up three points. And then this bit, bottom 13, if on average we get 80% home wins and draw 80% away equals 41 points, should be okay. That 80% home wins against bottom 13 worries me, but there's a lot to unpack in that message. But I think he's sort of, making the point that we were making earlier as well, that it's these first six games we've had aren't quite enough to judge us on. No, he's right. Like, and as I said, we've, we've got almost half of our toughest fixtures out of the way in the first, you know, in the first six games, even, even Crystal Palace away is a tough game. So we've got Cardiff at home to come. We've got Huddersfield home and away. We've got, um, Crystal Palace at home. We've got Brighton at home. A Brighton away, Bournemouth at home. There's there's lots of lots of fixtures we can look at. Identify as right. We can get three points there if we play this way or play that way. And Benitez is tactically astute enough to to pick his battles and to get us the the thirty six and a half points that we need to stay up, which is shit. And everybody yeah. knows it's shit, but it's it's where we're at. I've got we some live some live Tony Jimenez news. Luke, yeah. Luka Modric has just won the FIFA Best Player of 2018. <laughs> 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 As we record this, <laughs> he's a bit lightweight for me. I think I don't. I don't think oh, he's up to never much. Make it. He's a lightweight. Do you know how much he was going to cost us as well? It was something like seven million quid for someone of his size. I just don't think he can cut it in the Premier League. No, he's no Cisco. <laughs> Fuck me. Although one thing that sort of is quite nice about that is that the fact we didn't sign Modric is that we then didn't have to watch us sell him for less than he was worth to another team. Not having the joy meant we didn't have the pain. 
I mean, that's one one thing that you've got to say is when we do have a talented player, which is not often under Mike Ashley, when we do tend to make a decent profit on them. Yeah. Mitrovic, Vinaldum, Sissoko, Dabushi, Although Mitrovic Kabai. Looks, Mitrovic looks like he was sold on the cheap now. Kabai was... Kabai being sold for less than he was worth is what did for Joe Kinnear second time around. Carroll's the one that stands out as a very yeah, good price. Yeah, Carroll. Yeah. We should move on but, to this Saturday, 3pm kickoff, Leicester at home. Yes. Thoughts? Uh... Shit. You you talk about that. I'm just going to have a a nice mouthful of refreshing Watney's pale. Well, like Crystal Palace, they're a counter attack side. Like Crystal Palace, they've got very good players up front. Um, they're sitting, was it like ninth in the table? They haven't had a you know an incredible start. I mean, they've they've beaten Southampton away, but they've lost to Bournemouth and United. Uh, they've got they've scored in every single game. Um, which is a concern. Uh, yeah. They've got three wins, three losses. Uh, one thing they do—they have had two red cards so far this season, so they're clearly an aggressive outfit. And given that we've got quite a high number of shit houses, yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> like Kennedy looked on the edge on Saturday towards the end. I thought he was going to get himself sent off. Yeah, Kennedy's Kennedy's got it in him. Shelby definitely's got it in him. Yeah. But also, Yed, Yedlin's an underrated shit house. Um, <laughs> I think um, Dummett's physical. Fernandez is physical. Lascelles is physical. Um, Rondon, big lad, he's physical. I can see us putting it about a bit, and maybe it's not a red card for them. But if if are we still sponsored by Ladbrokes or are we Watneys now? We're we're Watneys through and through. We're a Watneys. We're a Watneys, we're a Watneys pod crew. Yeah. Um, if you, if you check out the what what are the odds for there to be a high card index? Watneys aren't or, offering any odds any odds on this game. <laughs> <laughs> but um, check out the the odds for a red card. Check out the odds for a high number of. You know, the card index where a red card is worth X amount and a yellow is worth something else. Because I reckon there'll be quite a few red mm. and yellows, well, quite a few yellows at least in this in this game coming up. This corresponding um, fixture last season, I think, had my highlight of the entire season. That spell of, it felt like about 50, but it was more like 10 just really full-blooded oh, challenges. Yeah. Do you remember? That was that was something special. I'd wasn't be happy it? to I'd be happy to see that again. Yeah, just just a replay of that. Yeah, but this is I mean, yeah. So I think they'll score. I can't mm. see us scoring twice. Their front so, three looked very good at the weekend, but yeah. that was against Huddersfield. Like Huddersfield looked suicidal defensively. They're not <clears> going to get that sort of joy. My worry, no. I don't. Th- it's going to be a tough one for the crowd. Because I think people are expecting, okay, we're at home against Leicester, we should be attacking. But that is the worst thing to do against such a strong counter-attacking team. Yeah. It's another, like the fixture list really isn't going for us at the moment where you want a sort of dominant display. And the one team you don't want to do that against at the minute is this Leicester team. Yeah, you'd much rather, if you were to face a mid-table side... In this fixture, you'd you'd want it to be a Bournemouth, a Southampton, someone like that. I'd even rather Watford, I think, at home. Yeah, someone who prefers to pass the ball around, who play, who don't play on the counter-attack, because that's how we play, and two counter-attack sides facing off each other ends up with being like what we saw against Crystal Palace. Um, We might be more adventurous, we might have more of the ball, we might be a bit bit more... um, Creative, um, but I I would expect like a one-one draw. I really do. And yeah, I think a win's going to be very tough to come by in this. But I'm going to say two-nil Leicester. Yeah, I I I genuinely wouldn't I wouldn't bet against that. And if you want to have another bet, you go uh, Leicester win or draw, and you you won't get. Superb odds, 
it's a pretty safe bet. Do you remember a time when we didn't used to push gambling and booze onto people? Simple well, times. hang on two minutes because I'm going to start talking about the benefits of Class A drugs. <laughs> <laughs> How do you think I afforded this house and that car? That's true. <laughs> Dave's the pusher. Yeah, we all suspected it. Yeah, it depends. Leicester, I think, have sort of tinkered with their starting eleven quite a bit as well, so it depends. They might sort of sabotage themselves rather than us doing them, but they're not going to have as easy a time as they had at the weekend, so 2 nils a bit next. I'm going to revise my prediction. I'm going to go one all, same as you. Well, do you know, like, I don't know off the top of my head who they've got after after us, Um if you hold on two seconds, I can find out. But it's like um, I'm not sure if they're playing they have... in the cup midweek this week as well. I'll tell you in a second because I don't think they've had a particularly daunting start. I mean, they definitely played like um, Bournemouth and Southampton. Uh, they've played uh, Liverpool, Huddersfield, um, Wolves. So they haven't had a particular. They are playing midweek. They've got Wolves in midweek in the um in the in the in the cup and then then they've got us and then after that um who do they face sorry i should have checked this beforehand Jesus but um goodness. after us they're at home to everton and then away to arsenal so they might have a tired squad from from facing wolves because i think lesser are a type of team that would fancy their chances against anybody in the yeah, cup yeah i think let's hope so, for extra time and no one likes to see a player get injured, but I'm willing to make exceptions. Yeah, but yeah, I think because um, after Everton, they've got there's a there's a big break after after the Everton game for them. It's it's like um, what? It's not the Leicester natter, Dave. It's the Newcastle natter. Let's move. No, on. no, I'm just I'm just wondering because if I don't know, like if if they had like Arsenal straight after the Everton game, maybe they would feel the weaker side against us, so that they got fresh legs for those two but to be honest after they play Everton they've got a, uh, they've got a 16 day break by the looks of things so um, uh-huh. there's only one more thing I wanted to talk about you and me in the past week have both independently watched I can't remember the name of it the Bobby Robson documentary that's on Amazon more than a manager that's it good oh my god. god if you've not seen it yet do watch it I mean we were talking about the Remember the highlights from our own football in the past, but talk about highlights, that man. Yeah, and and endlessly, like it, it seems to be a running theme for for his career was that he was doing a good job and was shat upon by the people above him. So, like, uh, Barcelona, yeah. at Real Madrid, uh, sorry, Real Madrid, Barcelona, sorry, and uh, at England, and certainly at Newcastle United. Yeah, like, and he always carried himself with dignity and he always made sure that the the most vulnerable people under his care were given the most care and the way Gascoigne speaks of them is heartbreaking yeah absolutely heartbreaking one thing um, I think it would have made for a worse documentary but I do think they should have just said at the end and they replaced him with Graham Souness <laughs> that feels like a <laughs> That's the thing I still can't get my head around. That's where the, the trajectory of the club went down and never recovered. But it's the missed opportunity that kills me. Yeah. Because we, we approached him to take over after Kevin Keegan. But, yeah, instead of Hullet. And he, and was, he agreed he and then... Yeah, he was all set to join us. But because he had a contract with Barcelona and because it's Barcelona, he couldn't, he couldn't turn us... He couldn't, like renege on that contract completely unaware that the powers that be were already planning for him to be retired planning for him to to be moved upstairs and if he'd known that if he'd known that i guarantee he would have taken over from kevin keegan and if he'd taken over from kevin kevin keegan i guarantee we would have seen some silverware in james's park would it have been from keegan or dalglish Keegan, it was, um, it was January 1997. God. And Keegan quit. Um, like That would have been nice. Yeah, January. 
January 97. But do watch that documentary if you can. It is very, very good. It's, yeah, it's available on and Amazon. And also it had the news, which I'd never realised, Pep Guardiola offered to come and play for us when Robson went there and yeah. our squad was too big, so we didn't. Right, we should probably wrap uh, it up because this has been a bit of a monster. I know, but I'm making this sound about Robson again. Go and buy it. It's, on, it's available on Amazon. It's a DVD, a Blu-ray, and uh, if you've got Amazon Prime, you can download it straight to your, to your devices. Do it. Do it now. This is fucking amazing. Couldn't agree more. Right. Thank you very much, Dave Watson. Thank you, Paul Doohan. And thank you very much to you, the Natter listeners. Goodbye. Go and have a what, Neve. <laughs> this is a playback media production to listen to all our football podcasts visit playbackmedia.co.uk the newcastle natter is back for the season by labrooks sports social podcast network